I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. On this episode, I have a conversation with Greza Martinez-Rosas, the Deputy Executive Director at United We Dream, the largest immigrant youth-led community in the country. Rosas joins me to discuss how we'll achieve a pathway to citizenship for immigrants and DACA recipients, something that several past administrations have promised but have failed to deliver. We also discuss more recent political debates around how to achieve a pathway to citizenship legislatively. Can it be done via executive order or through the congressional reconciliation process, for instance? Lastly, we discuss whether a pathway to citizenship will finally succeed under the Biden administration's Build Back Better agenda. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Greza Martinez-Rosas. Greza Martinez-Rosas, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, I just want to start with something hopeful, start our conversation off on a hopeful note, I guess, because, you know, I remember when the DACA policy became policy, right? The Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. President Obama was in office. And I remember it like it was yesterday because it just felt so hopeful. And it felt like our country was going in a direction that we claimed we wanted to go. And finally, it was happening. And I remember his speech. I think it was uh, 2012 or something. But, you know, since then, it's been under constant attack by conservatives, right? So can you tell me what you think about that? And something recently also happened in Texas in relation to DACA. Can you talk about that and what that means? Yes, um, I definitely can. I first want to say thank you so much for having me on. And, you know, as as a representative of the nation's largest immigrant youth-led network, it's always an honor to be able to talk about our movement, the work, and like the vision that we have um, for ourselves and for the country. You know, this question that you ask about DACA and like the litigation implications is so important for three reasons. The first one is like the impact on people themselves. I myself am a DACA recipient. I came to the U.S. when I was um, seven years old with my family. And through organizing, through like real courage, undocumented young people, um, uh, I was able to uh, be part of the campaign that led to the victory of DACA. And so the ability uh, for DACA to protect us from deportation, to have a work permit, to have an ability to uh, remain here with our families, I think it has been always this challenging thing that, you know, in the beginning, as you were saying, President Obama was like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't grant deferred action. And then through lots of pressure and lots of organizing, we were able to win and change, he changed his mind. So what we're seeing right now in the courts is sort of an, an articulation of the continued attacks on undocumented people and in this way using the courts. The second thing that I'll say is, and, and that means for us, like our ability to, we have to be insecure about our ability to stay here in the country with the people that we love and our families. Um, the second thing I'll say is that like this is the, the attack on DACA is yet another data point about the ways in which the far right has has taken control over some of the uh, some of the circuit courts all across the U.S. Um, and the importance of judges and having impartial people there that are thinking about like the broader scope of our democracy. This is the attacks on DACA continues to be led by one judge, Judge Hainan, uh, who is appointed under George W. Bush. There has been a lot of conversation from like people that have been following the courts about the and the concern about the coordination that he had with Republicans while Donald Trump was in office. And then this, the third thing I'll say is that it means that the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival is the most successful immigration program or policy in the last 35 years is under real attack. And that poses a political problem, not only for 
the, the people impacted by it, but also the Biden administration that made one of the like the signature issues of defending and protecting deferred action for childhood arrivals that has so much um, popularity. So it's I think it will be a measure and a test of the Biden administration about whether or not they're able to keep one of their many promises on immigration. No, you're absolutely right. First about the Obama administration, you're right that it actually happened four years into his presidency, right on the cusp of the second term. It didn't happen immediately. <laughs> but, no, it didn't. It took a while and a lot of activism. So thank you for pointing that out. You know, President Biden, of course, did it immediately. At least he reinstated DACA immediately. But we're kind of still in, at this impasse in relation to a path to citizenship. But I, I just want to go back for a second. Can you explain specifically what recently happened in Texas, what legislation came down and what it means? Well, I mean, as a Texan, lots of lots of stuff happened in Texas. A lot of stuff happens in Texas. But in particular, when it comes to DACA, um, the Republicans have been in the now more than 10 year attack of deferred action for childhood arrivals. They took their fight to the courts. Their argument is that DACA is um, unlawful. Um, and Judge Hainan, you know, made one of the first moves in the Texas Circuit Court to say that he basically ended the and called that the DACA policy is unlawful, talked about like that's sort of like impact on the states in, in states like Texas. And so it, he rescinded his own uh, or like he stayed his own order. And so it, that meant that deferred action for those of us that had already had deferred action were able to keep it. But for, for example, 16-year-olds that um, are just coming into the age of being able to apply for this protection that are like high school students trying to figure out the rest of their lives in college, he stopped it. He stopped the ability for new applicants to be able to move through it, which means that now thousands of young people, high school students are left to languish until this reaches a Supreme Court. So it was a, it was a, it was gut wrenching and it, it continues to have the ripple effect of some of us that are young undocumented people not being able to have access to protection from deportation. While some of us sort of like, while we still have it, continue to language in the insecurity about what that means until the Supreme Court resolves the issue. Okay, thank you for those details, because what that means is what you've laid out. So anyone currently who is under the age of 16, those kids, you know, those young people, they are at risk of, you know, because they can't apply for DACA, they're at risk of deportation? That's right. And they don't have the ability to have a work permit. They don't have an ability to have some of these things that Social Security numbers unlock for uh, for people, like have the ability to apply for some scholarships to go to college or go to go to apply for licenses if they want to be uh, technically licensed. So it's just, it's been so gut-wrenching. So I want to ask you about the pathway to citizenship because, it, you know, it's been on Democrats' wish list for a while, right? It has not happened. Like we were talking about when DACA was first implemented back in 2012 and how long that took for activists to get Obama to that point. And then if I'm recalling correctly, I think there was a proposal that there would be like a 13-year pathway to citizenship. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. So there's been many iterations of immigration policy. I'll say I'll say a couple of things here at the top. The first thing is that it's been 35 years since the last immigration policy breakthrough from Congress. It has been a bipartisan failure of action, both morally and politically, for millions of undocumented people here in the U.S. You saw a George, George uh, W. Bush um, want to move forward with it. And then, you know, the the impact of 9-11 had sort of like had that um, shore up. You had Obama promise it. 
you've had now Joe Biden promise it in his um, in his last election. Even Donald Trump was, you know, how, however, like difficult. Uh, there are many words to describe the Trump administration, but he also <laughs> sort of like made a proposal for regularizing some portion of the undocumented population, no matter how unreasonable and honestly racist his policy proposals were. So I think this has been like a 35 years bipartisan inaction. And it's had has had the implications of millions of people being detained and deported, my father being one of them. Um, he was deported about 15 years ago. Millions of people um, dying undocumented here in this country. My mother uh, is one of those that Though she gave all um, to herself and to her family and to this country, she was not able to know the feeling of driving in the U.S. without the fear of being detained and deported by um, ICE and CBP and the local police. So what we are seeing now is that like in the as a response to a Trump administration that had immigrants as like the bullseye in his target and like continues to this day to use undocumented people as like a as a glaring siren for white supremacists and the way that they show up in policy or the way that their ideals show up in policy i think that you know you have millions of people that went out to to the streets not only to protest but also to vote him out and to call for a different uh type of government and a different type of agenda and now you know, we're really proud about the work that we've done at United We Dream to create the conditions for immigration to be one of the the top priorities to be now really close to the um, being part of the the Build Back Better agenda that Joe Biden has laid out for himself as a way of measuring his success in this administration. Um, and yet, you know, there's there's a lot of complexity that uh, we're still sort of navigating into. So. With more than like more than 70 percent of the American public, all likely voters across Republicans, Democrats and independents supporting a pathway to citizenship. I think that the the lack of action is is a reflection of the many ways that our democracy is is broken. Yeah, I'm very, very sorry to hear about your your parents. So sorry to hear that. Um, Is your your father? Where is he now? My dad still lives in Mexico. Um, He lives in um, along the border. You know, and and you're absolutely right about this being a decades long fight. I mean, it's been, you know, since this country's founding. But if we're talking about just recent history, it has been decades long and it's it's gone across many administrations. Like if you think about the Clinton administration, you know, um, when NAFTA was enacted and there was something called Operation Gatekeeper. Right. So there have been hostile policies in relation to immigration and deportation for a long, long time. Right. Um, It's not only hostile policies. It's also like a, a deep restructuring of our budgets that has led to the growth of like ICE and CDP, which are Immigration and Customs Enforcement and uh, Customs and Border Patrol agencies. They're the largest law enforcement agencies in the country. Their budget is of $25 billion every year. So while in the last 35 years, we've had zero citizenship um, and zero people becoming citizens through congressional action, the budget has steadily grown um, to $25 billion. And just to put it into context, like the Department of Labor, they're the people that are responsible for you and for me and for all of the workers here in the U.S. The pe- to be protected, to have access to things like OSHA and healthcare, and all of those pieces, their budget is only of $2 billion. 
And we have a $25 billion budget for like 11 million undocumented Black and brown people in the U.S. whose sole purpose is to um, detain and deport our families. And so I just think that it's um, it's more than just failed like affirmative policies to protect immigrants. It has been a bipartisan, unfortunately, advancement of the growth of an enforcement force that uh, an enforcement apparatus that is unmanageable, unaccountable and like with sort of unimaginable resources. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to say that, you know, yes, this is something that we want. Right. As a nation or when people say that, and to, you know, the contrast to that budget. And, you know, we say things like it's an enforcement, you know, an enforcement agency. It's it's kind of beyond that. It's, they're often violent. It can be deadly. It's, you know, inhumane. We saw this in the border, right? We all witnessed the horrendous images of Haitian and Central American Black immigrants being whipped by border patrol agents on horseback. Um, and that's sort of like, that's the things that we get to see and imagine the things that are done um, without witnessing. So the Biden administration, through an executive action, they reinstated DACA, um, but without a pathway to citizenship. And I know recently there was some decision that came down from the parliamentarian, the Senate parliamentarian, because they were trying to get this done through reconciliation, which means they would just need a straight, you know, um, majority vote. And that was that was struck down. What are your thoughts on, you know, a new pathway to getting, you know, a pathway to citizenship enacted? Respectfully, the parliamentarian is an unelected officer, an unelected staff person of the Democratic leadership. And you know, to be, again, respectfully, I believe that their opinion about whether or not something's reconcilable or is able to um, pass what is called the bird bath is, um, is erroneous. I, and it's not only me, it's like 92 law professors sort of signed a letter last month sort of saying she outstepped the bounds of her uh, role and, and she was wrong in the uh, decision that she made. So I think that it's important to have the context that like we're still within the frame of this is reconcilable. This needs to be part of this um, Build Back Better agenda. We can't build back better without undocumented people having access to protection from deportation, ability to work and ability to have some semblance of normalcy. Um, and so I think for us, what is clear is that our job was to make sure that we are engaging and creating uh, support with the American public for this vision that we have of like uh, protecting immigrants. And we've done that. You know, the 70 percent of the American public believe that there should be a pathway to citizenship. Um, we our job was to ensure that we elected um, people and, and representatives that had the same vision of, of the world and agenda. And we've done that. Like Democrats control the House, the Senate and the White House both of them, all of whom have said that immigration is a top priority. And so now is the time for Democratic leadership in the House, the Senate, and the White House, Senator Schumer, leader, uh, Speaker Pelosi, uh, President Biden, and Vice President Harris to borrow some of the courage and the vision and the follow-through from the base and deliver. Um, so, you know, a broad base of Black, Latino, and young voters um, elected them. And we cannot take no for an answer because our lives are at stake. And we won't take, you tried, or you gave it a good college try as an option. We, we need um, results. 
I know that you've met with several members of the Biden administration, including Vice President Kamala Harris. What is it that you're hoping that she will do specifically or, or you know, Schumer? You know, you know, if we don't go through the reconciliation route, you know, what option would there be? I, I'm not sure if another executive action is is feasible. What, what would you specifically expect of them? I expect them to use every ounce and every lever of their power whether it be executive or congressional, to make the lives of undocumented people better. Um, and I expect them to, for all of us, um, the reality is is that there's a broad American public and electorate that um, voted to have a different version of America than the one that Donald Trump was trying to drive us into. The Trump administration packed the Supreme Court, and it's... Um, there's not a lot of uh, experts and scholars, including myself, that feel like that the Supreme Court could affirm the DACA program this year. And so this is it. There's nowhere else to go uh, except for the um, except for the for them delivering on citizenship through this reconciliation package. And so I expect them to do everything that they can to do that. Well, Carissa Martinez Rosas, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'll be watching this, you know, um, <laughs> this debate. And thank you so much for all of your work. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your work and doing this.